Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. Awesome. Well, it's, as I said, it's, it's Easter Sunday and uh, I've got a, a great scripture that uh, I want to read to you. It comes out of John and we're going to begin here today and it tells the resurrection story. So uh, I'm, let me read to you, this to you and then we'll just begin from there. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. The one whom Jesus loved is also the one that wrote this. So you reckon he might have been writing that in for himself. That's all I'll say about that. And said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb. Both were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. He wrote this. I outran Peter. That's what he's saying. But he refers to himself in the third person. If you ever meet people that do that, I just think that that's weird. He says, the other disciple, he outran Peter as they were going towards the tomb. I don't know why, but I always picture Peter as a little overweight. I sort of picture him as this guy who is, uh, that laughs a lot, is very, very loud and, and likes to eat and obviously is a little bit slower. It's, it's in the Bible, so we know it's true. So Peter went out, yes, and they were running towards the tomb, both were running together. Then the other disciple outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. So Stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Jesus is a neat freak. You rise from the dead and the first thing you do is fold your face cloth. Anyway, Jesus is neat. It says, then the other disciple uh, reached, who had reached the tomb, he also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Whoop, went back to their homes. Here we go. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. What a great passage of Scripture. And um, 
I always like in this story that Jesus reveals himself to Mary, the one who was formerly a prostitute, the one that formerly had all the issues, the one that people called unclean, the one that the religious people of the day were ready to stone. She is the woman who God reveals himself to, who Jesus reveals himself to. And he comes and he reveals and says, hey, you got to go and tell the other disciples that I'm here. I just love that whole story. And And um, we were reflecting on Good Friday that Easter really is about God fixing your biggest problem, which is sin, and meeting your greatest need, which is forgiveness. Your greatest need in life, it's so easy to confuse that with maybe you don't have enough money in the bank, or maybe you've been diagnosed with an illness, and, and, and you think that that's your greatest need right now. Or you've got some situation going on in your family, some relational uh, rift or dispute. And it's so easy for life to try to convince you that your biggest problems are actually all these other things. No, 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 no. Your biggest problem is sin. And Easter fixed that. Your greatest need is forgiveness. And Easter is about fixing your biggest problem and meeting your greatest need. I was thinking about the, um, the story of Easter. And on Friday, if you can imagine being the disciples, your Lord, your Savior, the person you followed for three years, that's what the disciples did. They followed Jesus for three years and they were expecting Him to come in His kingdom and that everything would look different. And then He died. And they thought, what has come of this plan that we had? What has happened here? They were horrified to find out that the person that they would put their trust in, the person who said, I'm going to change everything, the Messiah, the anointed one, that he was the one who ended up being crucified. So they finished Friday. Can you imagine how the disciples would have felt on Saturday? Trying to figure out, but how could this be? How could this happen I reckon they spent all Saturday in, in, you know, disillusionment, trying to figure out what had happened. But then Sunday came and the disciples turned from being dismayed, from being disillusioned, and suddenly they became ecstatic. Have you ever been in the place in your life where you have been trying to figure out what God is doing in your life? And heaven seems to be silent. I reckon if you've ever had a moment where you've prayed to God and He hasn't spoken to you that you're aware of, or if you've ever had a moment where you've prayed to God and you've asked Him for something and it's just, you know what I mean when I say brass heavens? It's like the prayer goes up, ding, never seems to get to God. And you're like, God, do you even care about what's happening in my life right now? Do you care about the situation or the circumstance that I'm in? I reckon this is exactly how the disciples felt on Saturday. But here is what I want to say to you. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming and somebody in this room needs to hear that today because when you're in a situation where there's disillusionment, when you can't figure out God, you've been praying and God hasn't been speaking. You've been trying to figure out where He is in the midst and the darkness and all the rest of it. You've got to hang on because I'm telling you, Resurrection Sunday is coming and we serve a God who specialises in being able to bring things from death to life. That's the God that we serve. 
So wherever you are today, no matter how dark, no matter how bleak, no matter how tough the situation might be, I want to tell you something. God can bring whatever situation you're in from death to life. I said this a few weeks ago, that God didn't send His one and His only Son to die upon the cross to bring us victory and then enjoy that victory by letting you suffer. He didn't get His Son and put Him on the cross to give His people power and victory over sin and then step back while having this victory being available, but then not let you anywhere near it. That is not what God does. Let me tell you a couple things that I've learned about God. Number one, God always finishes what He starts. He always finishes what He starts. And you know what? If you're in a situation right now and you felt like God has begun something, but it's not finished yet, I'm telling you right now, the only way to see it through, the only way to understand it, you got to keep following Jesus. Don't stop now. Don't stop on Saturday because Sunday's coming. If you, if you were to stop on Saturday, you might not get to see what God was prepared to do. So you got to keep following Jesus. That's the first point. Number two, God always has a plan. But He doesn't always explain it to you. If you've been a Christian for five minutes, you'll know that. If you've been a Christian for five minutes, God has a plan. You don't know what it is. Hang on tight because Sunday's coming. You can't just hold on to Saturday in that moment and say, I know he's got a plan, but I feel like it's been derailed. Listen, let me tell you something about Jesus. His plan's never derailed. If he can take someone from death and bring them back to life, if he's able to do the ultimate reversal, whatever it could be, whatever, whatever it could be, I'm telling you, he's able to turn that whole situation around. You know how you find out what the plan is? You keep following Jesus. Because when you keep following Jesus, you get to figure it out. How much of your life, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, how much of your life is lived in retrospect? Where you say on Saturday, Jesus, where are you? And on Sunday you say, aha, I knew all along. But you didn't because on Saturday you doubted. On Saturday, you wondered where he was. On Saturday, you questioned the plan. On Saturday, you said, I think the whole thing's derailed. On Saturday, you said, I cannot figure out where you are in all of this. But Sunday was always coming. And Saturday never delayed Sunday. And Saturday never derailed Sunday. It was always coming. And that is what God is like in your life. If Sunday's coming, trust me right now, nothing, no matter how bleak it is right now, nothing will derail what God is wanting to bring in your life. And here's my third point. Oh, this is so good. You're going to love this, all right? Jesus always walks you through it. Oh, He always walks you through it. You know, He said He will never leave you and that He will never forsake you. Jesus doesn't leave you. He, when you, if, if you're a person and you're here today who's invited Jesus into your heart, when Tough times come, Jesus doesn't say, I'm out of here. Jesus sticks with you. He always walks you through it. And you've got to know that. And you know the only way you can really know that? You've got to depend on Him. You've got to depend on Jesus. If you're the kind of person who's inclined to take situations into your own hand and control the outcome, you're not really depending on Him. 
And then when you try to control the outcome and make sense of it and try to explain it and figure it out, you're not always going to see what God was willing to do because you've tried to fix it yourself. Sometimes you've just got to depend on Jesus. Do you know what that means? Sometimes you've just got to wait. You just got to wait. I was thinking about the disciples on Saturday about how they might have felt. And I'm sure that it wasn't lost on them that, you know, Jesus said when he came that he would uh, come and he would set captive people free. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. Would you know who's captive? Everyone that doesn't have Jesus. Because they're held captive by what? They're held captive by their sin. They're held captive by wrong decisions. If you've ever had a, you made a decision and it's kind of backfired, that's kind of like this. When you sin against God, you can become trapped by that. Here's what Jesus said. I've come to set captives free. I've come to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Do you know who's blind? Everyone, until Jesus comes and awakens people and they can see him. So he wasn't talking... He wasn't talking about being physically blind. He talked about people that were spiritually blind. He said, I've come to open people's eyes spiritually. I've come to set liberty to those who are oppressed and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Can I tell you something? When Jesus is in your life, every minute is a minute of God's favor. That's why Jesus came, so that he could pay your penalty for sin and that you could just exist in a constant state of favor being poured out on your life. That's this. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the place where you exist. And some people really need to hear that. Some every week. Because you need to remember that whatever you've done, it's been paid for. And so Jesus is here now just to pour out blessing into your life. But you know what? On Saturday, on Saturday, you can think, God, where are you in all that? God, where are you in all of this? I think the plan's been derailed. Let me tell you something. Never doubt in the dark what God has spoken to you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has spoken to you in the light. When you're in the light, everything's good. When you're in the light, your bank is full. You've got a job. When you're in the light, no one's sick. When you're in the light, it's so easy to believe all the promises of God. Yes, they are. Yes and amen. They find their yes and amen in Jesus. It's so easy to find everything in the light. But when the dark comes, what happens then? Do you know that even Jesus himself, even Jesus, he understood what would happen when he died on the cross. He understood, what does the Bible say? That he would be marred beyond semblance. That means he would be tortured so badly that he would be barely recognizable as a human being. And Jesus knew this. He knew and said it to his disciples all along. The Son of Man must be lifted up. He's going to have to die three days and then he'll be resurrected. He knew the whole time what was going to have to happen. But what does he cry on the cross? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? See, when you're in pain... You can say, God, where are you? When you're in despair and you can't figure the plan out and you have no idea what God is doing, you say, where are you? Even Jesus said, where are you? You know what? Here's the thing. When God sent Jesus to die on the cross, it was a sign that no longer was he willing to tolerate the problem of sin. It was your biggest problem and he was absolutely dedicated to fixing your biggest problem and meeting your greatest need.
He wanted to fix the problem of sin. See, let me tell you something about God. If God was willing to overlook your sin and not deal with it and never address it, then how could you ever trust him? How could you ever go to a God and expect to find justice if he's over willing to overlook your sin? If he's, over will, if he's willing to overlook your sin, then why not the person next to you? And when things go wrong in your life and you say, God, can you make it right? You're asking a God who's willing to tolerate injustice. Jesus had to find a way to deal with the problem of sin, to fix the issue of sin. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. And that's how you know that every time you go to him, that you can trust him because he's willing to deal with the issues that are in your life. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's not afraid of your sin. That's why he says, you know, just bring it to me. Bring that sin to me. You know, if God's plan, it really wasn't to ignore the problem of sin. You know, if God was willing to ignore sin and not really deal with it, do you know that that means that you could never come close to him? You've got to understand something about God, that he's, he's holy and he's righteous. But if you've got sin in your life, you can't, you can't coexist in that same space. But as it is, he says, no, I'm going to fix the problem of sin so that you'll never be separated from me. So that when I say to you, draw near to me and that I'll draw near to you, he made it possible for you to do that. He made it possible for you to come close to him. That's why he wanted to deal with the issue of sin and not just ignore the problem that it causes. And here is a very important point. You've got to tune into this. God didn't want to ignore the problem of sin because you know what would happen if he did? Sin would still rule and reign and be in power over your life until the day that you die. You would still be under the power of sin. You see, God's plan was so much better than just ignoring sin. It was dealing with the problem of sin. And when he dealt with the problem of sin, you know what he did? He defeated death. He defeated sickness. He defeated disease. This is what he said to the people that believe in him. He said, go out into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized, that person will become saved. But those who do not believe, those, those who are not to believe, they will stand condemned. Do you know what condemned means? It means that when you stand before God, there is a sentence that's being carried out. There is a sentence that's being pointed at in your life. A sentence. And, and you know what? Here's the greatest part of the gospel is the penalty's already been paid. And it's available to everyone who receives it. But here are the signs that accompany those that believe. In my name, what will they do? They'll cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise the dead. That kind of life can't be the life that's lived by a person who lives under the power of death and sin. If you live under the power of death and sin, how can you ever be in a position to fix that problem in another person's life? So the kind of lives that God has called us to live is a life where the power of sin has actually been broken in your life. But if He never sent Jesus to the cross, sin would continue to rule and reign over you. And when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, let me tell you something about it. It wasn't some weird, ghostly-like, you know, go through His body type resurrection. It was physical resurrection. He came and his, his whole body, I mean, He ate after He was resurrected. You know, people touched Him. They touched His soul. They could feel where the spear pierced his side. It was a bodily resurrection. Why is that important? Because it is the evidence that Jesus defeated death. 
And if he defeated death, then he's defeated sin. Victory over death is victory over your greatest problem. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it was victory over death. And that means that when He gives you that victory, there's victory over your greatest problem. Do you know Paul the Apostle said, sin will not be in dominion over you. So the word dominion, so you know, it means that it would be in ch- like over you, in charge of you, that you would be submissive to it that actually that it would rule and reign over your life, that that would be the place that sin would have. And Jesus came so that wouldn't be the case for you anymore. Dominion means that sin has mastered you. If it's mastered you, if sin is your master, then you become its slave. Jesus wasn't about raising slaves. He was about raising sons. And he said, you know what? Forget this. He said, I'm going to defeat sin death, disease, and sickness. And then I'm going to give that victory to my people. What? After that happens, if, if sin has mastered you, or even if you're not aware of how it's possible, that's, hey, how could sin master me? That's not true. You're here today, you're not a Christian, and you're saying sin has not mastered me. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing in your life right now that you can't help but do? You can't help it. You know, you wish that you didn't, but you can't help it. You just keep going back to it. You know, for some people, that might be pornography. For some people, maybe you've got a violent temper and your family knows about it, no one else does, but you've got a violent temper and nobody knows. You feel rage, it rises up within you and you suppress it publicly, but when you get home, it's unleashed. What is it that you can't help but do and if we can be honest with each other the truth is every person in this room can't help but sin and if that weren't true Jesus would never have had to have come so the reason he sent his one and only son is because he knew that you couldn't help but sin and you know what happens after you sin there is a voice that comes and it stands and it says sinner and you've heard this voice It's the same voice that says what you're going through right now is God punishing you for the wrong things that you've done. It's the voice of condemnation. It's the voice of accusation. And it's a very real voice. And it comes from a place. And let me show you this right now. This scripture comes out of Revelation 12, 10 to 11. And it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, that's the devil, the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. I don't understand how this whole thing works. I don't get it, but it seems to be the case that the devil comes before God and he points at you. And he says, addicted. He says, rage. He says, drug problem. He says, look at these people. And these are the people that you love. These are the people that you died for. Look at them. They stand. They're condemned. They've got sin in their life. They've turned their back on you, God. Are you really going to die for these people? You died for them? Look at all the mistakes in their life. Look at how they screw up all the time. And you're dying for them? And the reply comes, And if you've never heard this, this is one of the greatest scriptures you'll ever read in your life. And they, 
that's you and that's me. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb. That's Jesus' sacrifice. And by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Do you know what your testimony is? It's your story. Do you know the word testimony is actually in the King James Version, it's translated as record. In other words, it's the true and accurate record of your life. It's your history. And history writes something about you. And if we were to look at your life and go back over it, what would history say about you? Do you know the truth is that history would say that you have messed up? The truth about your story is that there are times when you absolutely have turned your back on God. And you know what? Let me tell you something about your story. You may be hearing this for the first time. You've no idea that this is true, particularly if you're not a person who comes to church regularly. But let me tell you about your story. You will never master sin. That's just something you've got to know. You will not master sin. You will not master temptation. And if you've got those issues in your life right now, the true and accurate story about your record that's written about you is that you're not going to overcome it. You cannot overcome it. So what could be so powerful about your story? Why is it that in this Scripture it says they've overcome the enemy by the testimony that they have? What's impressive about your testimony? Are you ready for this? Jesus. Jesus. He is the part of your testimony that's impressive about you. See, when it says, how many of us understand and know that your testimony is always changing? It's always being affected by who, by what? By people that are coming into your life. What does history say about me? I got married to my wife, Sarah. We've been married since 2006. We got three kids. So when people enter into my life, you know what that says about me? That's part of my story. It's being written every minute of every day. And when you accept Jesus into your life, do you know that that means that that changes your story? So your story, if you're 33 years old like I am, it doesn't mean that your story begins 33 years ago. My story began 33 years and 2,000 years ago because the beginning of my story was the fact that all my sin was paid for on the cross. And by the time I got born, I entered into grace and I said, God, forgive me. So when we get to heaven and I look over my story, it says, Thousands of years ago, before I lived one day, Jesus forgave me for all of my sin. And so what does the record say? Well, I'll tell you what the record does not say. You deserve this and you deserve that and you deserve the other because you messed up here and you messed up there. That's not what my record says. My record says, forgiven, set free by the power of God. That's what my story says. And if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus, you know what? Your story says the same. So when the Scripture says, it says we've conquered Him by the word of of our testimony, my testimony is not that I'm impressive, but my Father in Heaven is, and my Saviour is. He's the most impressive part about my story. He's the most impressive part about me, that Jesus, the Son of God, has set me free from the power of sin. That's my story. And if you've given your life to Jesus, that's your story too. Do you know what the Bible says? It says, death is swallowed up, vanquished, destroyed. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It says, the sting of death is sin. 
and the power of the Lord. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You ever been bitten by something and it stings you and immediately you feel it? And if you don't address it, you might develop a lump. You might develop a wound. You might develop like a a sickness, a serious sickness. If something that's really poisonous has stung you, if you don't deal with it and don't treat it, down the track, it's going to cost you a lot. It says that the sting of death, when, when sin stings you, the end of that is death. And it's eternal death. That's the, the sting happens now. The death happens later on if you don't deal with it. And that's why the Scripture says, Oh, death, hey, where's your victory? If Jesus can overcome the grave, what are you going to throw at us now, sin? What can you do with me? You can't accuse me, devil. You can't point to my sin. I'm right before my Saviour and it's got nothing to do with me and everything to do with Him. He overcame the grave. He overcame death. Oh, death, where's your victory now? What can you do with a guy like me? Nothing. Oh, sin, what can you do with a guy like me? You can't do anything with me. Do you know why? Because I'm forgiven. Because I'm forgiven. Here's what you need to know. The power of sin was broken when Jesus was resurrected and your story forever changed. And the reason you need to know that is that the voice of accusation, it comes to you and it points at your sin. But you got to know something about that. When that voice comes, what do you say? You say, no, no, forgiven. That's been paid for. That's been paid for. When our Saviour said, It is finished. He meant it was the end of you trying to work hard to get close to your Father in heaven. It was the end of that. And that you would be ushered into a season of grace where God would love you and forgive you. It's unmerited favour. We get in on all of Jesus' merits. We get in on all of His favour. The resurrection didn't just fix your biggest problem and meet your greatest need. I'm going to finish with this final point. It actually was designed to do something else. How many of us know that if I just tell you half the truth, it's still kind of a lie, yeah? Is that true? If I tell you half the truth, it's still a lie. So let me tell you the full truth. You weren't saved to go to heaven. You weren't saved so that you could just end up there. There's something that's supposed to happen by the resurrection. Let me, let me read this one more scripture and then I'm going to finish. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The cross and the resurrection enables you to lay aside your sin for what? For what purpose? So that you could live. It's not about just getting out of hell. It's about living here in this place. When Jesus died and was resurrected, when He gave you that victory, it was to actually empower you to live a life that was right before Him so that you could actually run the race. Do you know what I've discovered about life? Nothing will cling closer to you than your own sin. If I ask you right now, close your eyes, think of the worst thing you've ever done. You could do it instantly. It comes to you with such clarity, doesn't it? It comes to you and you remember it. But I need to tell you that that, 
when Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected, He did it so that whatever that was, it could be laid aside so you could do something with the life that you've got now. You're designed to run. You're designed to run. You're designed to live a life for God on behalf of Him. You're designed to actually do something before Him. So what you've got to do today, you just got to let go of the memories. You've got to let go of the weight. You've got to let go of the the things that weigh you down. I wonder what's hindering you right now from living the life that God has called you to. What could it be? Death, where is your victory? There is nothing that could hinder you from running the race that God has called you to, except if you believe it's true. Can I tell you something? That whatever you believe to be true, there is a superior truth about you. You believe that your sin holds you back. The superior truth is that Jesus, your Jesus, your Saviour has set you free. So here's what you got to do. you got to follow Him so that one day you stand victorious just like Jesus did. Can we stand together this morning? Now, I really believe that Jesus was brought from death to life for a purpose. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure that you believe that too. We're here today celebrating the fact that Jesus was brought from death to life for a purpose. And I believe... He's got purpose for you. He's got purpose for you. There's a plan for you. And there's sin that's clung to you. And it hasn't let you run the race that God created you for. God made you on purpose. You are not the product of your parents getting together. You're not random biology. You are here because God wanted you here. He has purpose and destiny over your life. The cross, the resurrection is there to say whatever it is that's held you back from your purpose right now in this place. It doesn't need to do that anymore. Not anymore. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.